All right, Hunter, we have to talk for a minute about private internet access. Now, PIA is my favorite VPN. Have you ever used one before? Oh, yeah, they're great. Excellent. Jamie? My parents met on a VPN. Well, I'm not at all convinced that that's relevant, but let me tell you this. If you're online in the 21st century, you need a VPN. Why? As the amount of threats that exist on the internet increases and the amount of our data that's being stored online increases simultaneously, it's imperative that we do something to protect ourselves, protect our data as we surf the web. Now, VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. And what it does is it encrypts your data as it's going between your device, your machine, and the greater internet preventing it from being intercepted by malicious actors and hackers and identity thieves, etc. So a VPN is non-negotiable in today's digital day and age. Now, PIA is my favorite because it's the world's most transparent VPN provider. They have over 30 million downloads and they never store user data. They have a strict no logs policy, which has actually been proven out multiple times in courts and by a third party audit from Deloitte. So they truly don't store your data. That's right, Chris. And what private internet access does is it hides your IP address and encrypts your internet connection. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that internet service providers and government sensors can't get at your data. If you're saying something that you don't want them to look at, even if it's just your business, there's no reason for those nefarious actors to have any view into your data or what you're doing on the internet. That's your data. Protect it. That's right. And private internet access also comes with loads of entertainment benefits. The VPN is compatible with all of your major streaming platforms. So you shouldn't experience any issues running Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming entertainment device you want to use. Plus, it's one of the few VPNs that supports P2P, that's peer-to-peer -peer file sharing. So this is a huge benefit for power users. Not only do you get the benefit of using any streaming service, you can also use it with any operating system. We're talking Windows, Mac OS, Android, Linux, iOS. Use different operating systems, not a problem. Have an Android phone and want to use it on your Mac? Not a problem. And what's even better than that, you can have an unlimited amount of devices use it at the same time. That's right. And Carpooling has the best deal for you today on PIA, on getting a VPN, securing your data. For just $2.03 a month, you can start protecting yourself online and your family online. That's 83% off the sticker price for private internet access. So act now. You get that great price plus four months free and you really have nothing to lose because private internet access offers a free 30-day money-back guarantee as well as 24-7 support so you are definitely going to either be pleased with the product or not be out a single dime but i know that you're going to love it you're going to want to keep it private internet access has a great vpn Carpooling has a great deal for you. Support them. Support the show. Go to carlpooling.com slash PIA right now to take advantage of this great deal. Again, that's carlpooling.com slash PIA. Snag a VPN. Protect yourself online. Support them. Support the show. And we will really appreciate it. All right. Let's get back to the episode. Hunter, I got a bone to pick with the past. Okay, past. Get in here. You know I love puzzles and puzzly things. Yeah. And things of that nature. Uh-huh. Conundrums. 
mm-hmm. enigmas. I've, I've once seen you solve a, a fifteen hundred piece puzzle in a minute. That's an abject lie. I just yeah, want to be is. clear about that. You also Puzz- don't really like puzzles that much, like like jigsaw, jigsaw puzzles. Yeah, nah. yeah. Not. I mean, like if you're if it's that or talk to your in laws. Did <laughs> 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 they just do the puzzle to get you know what I'm saying? But right. <laughs> anyhow, um I went back to the past. Okay. This week in search of a puzzle. One of one of the legendary puzzles of the early early nineties internetting history, computering history. Yeah. Are you familiar with the game Mist? I am, yeah. I think that game was the game that really inspired the witness actually the witness yeah i don't i don't know what that is do you know uh i also don't want to know what it is because that's that's a great answer let me just say that i had such a bad time with mist oh it is i don't know if it's just a relic of its era now let me say perfectly decent visuals especially for the era Mm -hmm. and good puzzles from what i can tell but holy crap, point and clicking to move, and it's there's so few frames, mm-hmm. and there's like no map, and trying to figure out where exactly you are and where you've been, because you click somewhere on the screen, right, and then whoosh, you're off to the races, and you can't tell exactly uh, where yeah. you went. Yeah, it, I found it to be almost unplayable. Like, did you did you enjoy solving the puzzles in it, or was oh it yeah, just... for sure, it just okay. like actually. Like, I would find the answer to a puzzle, and I was like, it is going to take me 70,000 clicks to walk to the other side of the island. It would be faster for me to actually find a deserted island and walk to the other end of that than it would be for me to click around until I fumble my way to greatness here. Yeah. So, And I was even playing, like, a remastered edition. Really? Add a map. Yeah, add a map, guys. Um, I think you need to play The Witness. I, I actually genuinely feel like you would probably enjoy it um if you liked mist and really i don't think i've ever suggested this game to you i don't think um i'm gonna send it to you after this and you can just like look at it and say that's absolutely not i never want to have anything to do with that but like it is a just a very very detailed puzzle game and i played it for a little bit i couldn't do it puzzles aren't my thing but Hmm. i I think Hmm. you would really like it i'd take a look at it yeah it's it's uh you played Braid, right? The little no. jumping game. You never played Braid. I, I watched you play a couple levels on Braid, but that's all I did. Okay. That's the one where you can turn back time and you're like a little Indiana Jones man. Yeah, yeah. Right? But yeah, it's made by the same guy. But it's he's obviously a very non-traditional thinker. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting anyway. guy. Jonathan Blow. Jonathan Blow. Yeah, he's he's interesting as a developer. Yeah. But Mist, it wasn't Boo. it. it was not. Uh, also, I I don't understand. I I guess it's just like, because then I was going back through my lexicon yeah. of point and click stuff, and I was like, was I did I just have that much free time on my hands so that I could actually like beat Freddy Fish? Yeah, no. Or w- if I went back to that, would I be like, oh my god, this is unplayable too? I've got I, big big questions. Yeah, I mean we're 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 in the 90s now, kids. Yeah. Um 
This but is like, just pure nostalgia for anyone who had a computer in the 90s. Right? Uh, I, I remember those games having not necessarily good map systems, but like if you were going in between stuff, like in the world, there were these big screens where you could see everything and then go, oh, I've already been to so-and-so and talked to this fish. I want to go to the you know the sunken treasure real quick or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Putt-Putt okay. used to do that really well too. Oh, there was Putt-Putt. There was... Yeah. Sly Fox, Pajama Sam, Pajama Sam, Freddy Fish. Mm-hmm. I, those are classics. I'm gonna have to try and find those again. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, this has been '90s video buy a game. CD-ROM from Blockbuster video game corner. Yeah. <sighs> Man, the past. It's the not past. coming back, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, that we're gonna talk about that a little bit today, actually, too. Uh, we're gonna talk about some things that are old, influencing some things that are new, and uh, a past that I'm sure we could all wish we could go back to instead of living in the the dread hell seg seg hmm. <coughs> dread hell segment of world history that we are currently in. Before mm. we get to that, welcome, listener. If you're within the sound of my voice, then you're currently listening to the number one thing. That's called Carl pooling. I paused there to make it nondescript how I meant that. <laughs> is this the number one thing called carpooling? Or is it the number one thing, comma, implied it's called carpooling? That's up for you to decide, but I mm-hmm. do already know. Uh, and also, if it's one, then it might also be the other. Those are not mutually exclusive groups. This is simple logic, listener. And I'm oh. having to explain it to you because I know the average IQ of the people that listen to the show. And it's not great why is it not great well you're flirting with disaster this is a show that'll get you fired we talk about um just basically all the ists racism sexism mm-hmm. transphobia oh the mm. phobias too homophobia yeah. um what other phobias are there? there's islamophobia one of my yeah. fa- one of the great phobias in my opinion yeah. any any other ists or phobias ageism yeah uh roofs a- a- ableism excuse me you just said the word roofs yeah, being afraid of roofs. But like not like standing on a roof and being like, oh my God, I'm on a roof, it's up high. It's like you look up at the top of the building, you're like, ah, a roof. Surely. <laughs> okay, I'll entertain this. <laughs> if you're inside the building. Yeah. It's terrifying that there's a roof above you. I disagree. Okay. That would be, that would be a phobia of ceilings. I feel like you could only properly be afraid of a roof outside. Okay. Because if you're I mean, inside the building, the roof can't get to you. There's a ceiling between you and the roof. It depends on how heavy the roof is. You know, That's the irrational part. I feel like the fear <laughs> of being crushed by a roof is different than the fear of roofs. Yeah. Because if you went around, if you surveyed, I don't know, call it Family Feud, 100 people, and you <laughs> asked them, are you afraid of being crushed by a roof they would be well like i suppose yes that doesn't yeah. sound pleasant but then if you said are you afraid of roofs then they would probably clarify you mean like one like collapsing in on me in a hurricane you're like no just their existence <laughs> i feel like that would be an easy 100 to 0 answer and steve harvey would do a big stupid gr- grin about it you know yeah i mean sure. show me roofs <laughs> i love steve harvey he's a treasure he is american treasure no doubt about it. Unlike me and my, if you can remember, phobia. I asked you. I asked you a question back in there. Did you? Well, I just I wanted. I, I asked you a question, and then I gave you my answer. I want you to explain yourself while being inside would be terrifying. 
Oh, I, you know, like if it's just a drop ceiling, you know, if it's just like some acoustical ceiling tiles, you know, that's not going to stop concrete. You're crazy. That well, concrete's going to. Okay, most roofs aren't concrete. Oh, residentially. Little do you know. Residentially, sure, you know, but. Welcome you know, to like Roofcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst. What would this we like name our roof podcast? Uh, roofs are us. That can't be it. That can't I, be I'd it. call it the Gables. The Gables is great. Uh, if we were gay, it could be the Gay Gables, you know, or the Gables about Gabling. Or, oh, Gabling about Gables. That's it. That's it. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Gabling on a Gable. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, that's great. TM, TM, TM and TM. copyright. All of that. <laughs> it's horrible. Welcome to the show. Uh, okay. I'm Chris. This is Hunter. You can find us on all of the social medias at Chris X Carl and at Emotional Carl. Find the show at Carl Bowling. Also, dear listener, take a moment just now and and navigate your personal computing device or portable phone to your nearest podcatching app, be it Spotify, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, even Amazon Podcasts, if there's any poor, unfortunate soul. That's made some kind of Mephistelian deal with a, a sea witch that is now only allowed. They, they were given legs in exchange for their one awkward fin, but now they're only allowed to listen to podcasts on Amazon podcasts for whatever godforsaken reason. Uh, navigate to that app post haste and simply leave us a five star review. If you do that, you'll get rich. Mm. Hey, look, if television preachers can do it, I can do it, too. Yeah, it's not. It's lying, but it's fair lying. It's know? lying, true, but if ministers do it, I'm not better than them. That's for yes. that's for damn sure. Yes, yes. So, go do that immediately, and that'll unlock for you untold wealth. Um, you'll live forever. <laughs> you'll be able to jump very high, and you can listen to the rest of this episode without me activating audio from an audio way. Um, using the audio, the audio trigger for the nanobytes I injected into your brain. Oh, uh, now to be clear, I didn't inject them into everyone's brain. Only if you suffer from undiagnosed schizophrenia. Yeah. All right, Hunter. Any, any more housekeeping before we we get to the show? Uh, nothing I can think of. Let, okay, let's, let's dig into it. All right, the CIA is looking in your window, and let's get to our. Our <laughs> listen. I'm just leaving little little Easter eggs for a schizophrenic audience. <laughs> um, let's jump into our our segments this week, Hunter. Uh, you pick the order. Uh, yeah. Uh, Roadkill. This one's okay. easy. Let's it's, go. It's it's shocking. It's shocking how um sometimes you know Roadkill is is fun. You know everybody loves a dead possum, or whatever the heck it is we're into over here. That's just but, a fact. That's just a fact. It's like, oh, man, that animal's dead. And everyone, all the kids get out and they clap. Everyone loves it. It's a really heartwarming event. Um, but this one is kind of like semi-serious, but also very roadkill. Uh, Pence president has resigned after her refusal to condemn anti-Semitism before Congress. Yeah, you this know? one This one was pretty easy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, can, you, can you give us some more details? I read it, but it was a couple days ago now. Yeah, so I think it was Penn, Harvard... And uh, Yale, I want to MIT, say. MIT, MIT, they were all testimony and they were like, if, and basically what the, uh, they were being asked is, 
if someone calls for genocide of Jews on your campus, does that um, A, break your rules, and B, is it considered harassment? And they basically all said it would depend on context and it would depend if that was taken into action, which is the wrong answer because everyone said it's the wrong answer. Even Democrat politicians were like, uh, no, like very no, because it's obvious that calling for genocide is calling for violence. You know, there's no, there's no ands, ifs or buts about it. And so essentially that that's a super, they play both sides of this issue so much. And you know, I saw a bunch of conservatives getting this issue wrong too. So let's just set the record straight with some some logical consistency, which is required in issues like these. Mm -hmm. Conservatives have always been against calls for violence. Right. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Cannot tell people to go pick up a rock and kill that other person. Right. All of a sudden, certain conservatives have gotten this mixed up where they see the backlash against these calls for genocide on campuses and they're saying, uh, well, shouldn't we have free speech? And I thought you could, we were for free speech. And now it, it's, it's not making a lot of sense to me. Mm. They're effectively adding in a stipulation in the uh, violation of free speech or calls to violence saying that it has to be a specific person or a specific group of people that you are calling to violence. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can generally say intifada now, but you're not talking about the students on campus. You're talking about some other people really far away maybe, and it's vague. So that's yeah. not really calling for violence. BS. Yeah. If I go, I wish someone would kill that guy, I, it's a call to violence. So mm-hmm. if you say there should be violent revolution against the Jews – that's a call to vi- that's a call to violence. Period. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's that's traditionally how like human violence has like focused itself over the centuries and millennia is to basically say it's that group that we have to kill. Right. They're not in the tribe, and so like of course humans would try to like both a you know direct their violence in that manner and b not say it is bad, right? Because we are we have the wiring in the in the thought process and the normal sin patterns to go after violence in exactly that matter and so it's like we know what we're doing when we say that yeah right we want to go to war that's what we want and like that's why that language is bad it's also why the line will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest is so profound because it's exactly it's dancing on that line as as much as you possibly can right right so that's one of the things that makes it interesting because, exactly. Because exactly. That that's a very gray one. And in the mm-hmm. in the presence of a gray example, I err on the side of freedom of speech, right? But intifada now is not at all gray. Yes. It's not it's black and white. You're literally calling for violent uprising against the genetic class. Mm-hmm. The, uh, th- and this this is plain and simple. Yeah. And so first of all, the left's the left who thinks it's fine to to throw milkshakes at Angie No and speaks about how how uh, you know silence is violence and how if you disagree with a trans person you're literally putting their life at risk mm-hmm. that group 
for them to all of a sudden be like, well, I know we just called for genocide, but we weren't that specific about it. Yeah. Is totally, Rich. <laughs> totally gauche. And then on the right, like, you guys know that there's standards associated to this. Harassment, mm-hmm. as a legal definition, is a crime that is committed only with your speech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, like, they get harassment and battery confused. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. sexual harassment versus sexual battery. You can sexually harass someone with just your mouth. And usually, it implies telling someone that you're going to do a crime. Typically, the legal definition is, I'm going to do XYZ. Or, you're going to be so XYZ, right? This is harassment. Whereas, battery is when you physically interact with someone. So... There are certainly, certainly limits to this. and I, It's just bizarre to me to see so many conservatives fumble the ball here. Yeah. All of that is a secondary issue to this point, though. We're not talking about legal standards or even moral standards. Right. Harvard We're talking standards. about campuses that have had the strictest speech codes of any place in America in the history yeah. of the country. Yeah. It's those places and the administrators that have overseen that censorship mm-hmm. that now refuse to condemn genocide. Yeah. Can't fat shame someone, but you can call for genocide. It's yeah, like- you can't wear dreadlocks in the student center, but you can <laughs> oh. say, would it be great if Hamas killed all the Jews? Yeah. It, yeah. It's wild. So there, there was this hearing... And they it, it, then they they thought, you know, faux sophistication, faux intelligence is one of the most obnoxious things of all time. It's like, yeah, it's why like Hasanabi, I can't even like see his picture without having a a, a death of my neuro, a genocide of my neurons in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's like the and Vouch, Vouch is the same way. There's these trappings of intelligence and the slightest bump in the smooth brain road appears and their logic completely veers off into an alley so the the faux sophistication of an answer that was like well we're talking about harassment i guess it would be harassment if they acted out the actions of what they they were speaking about if it was combined with action First of all, you don't even know what harassment is. Like, you don't even know technically what the word means. And then, secondly, that that line, you thought... And they all said it. They all repeated it, almost verbatim. Mm-hmm. They thought it sounded so smart. And it's, like, straight up a dictionary issue for them. It sounds smart. It just sounds smart. And, like, these mm-hmm. smarmy morons using words that they don't know what they mean implying that they've thought deeply about some type of moral framework that they clearly have not is just so beyond the pale and galling the gall of those people to stand up there misunderstand the english language in a horrific way then propose and maintain double standards in such a horrific way and finally to to in such a such a assured cool-headed self-aggrandizing way repeat each other's little insipid retarded answer one after the other as if it was like 
the going rate of the the scholastic liberal think tank it just was so disgusting and so foolish and i it's obnoxious that these people run our institutions of higher learning there that the three of them combined had a room temperature iq it was just it was the worst most unintelligent but so self self-pleased thing that i've ever seen yeah i i will say this one thing that's nice to see is that if you were expecting dei or secularism to produce a culture of moral clarity moral guidance you know become moral pillars absolutely not in like 40 years it's it's unintelligible it's it's getting the worst sin of the 19th of the 20th century wrong uh, it, you know exactly wrong yeah, exactly wrong. And so, I mean, like in that sense, it's it's a it's a really important moment to go, got it, like got it. That's not it, you right. know. And that exactly. and they, you, everyone should take that zeitgeist and learn from it. Um, just like uh, young mothers should learn everything they can about birth control and tell it to their daughters, you know, because we're very confused about a lot of things, especially yeah. from the moral side. But that's no. that's another thing. No doubt. Yeah. Well, it, there's this, there is this insane intersection that's happening right now mm-hmm. where there's a group of individuals who are chemically addicted to calling other people Nazis. Nazi. Are the same people <laughs> that are cheering on these groups that openly call for the genocide of every Jew on the face of planet Earth. It's, it's obvious why. They're not. They're not interested in moral clarity or morality itself. They're interested in uh, power games. Oh, for that, for certain, for certain. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it's I, truly the eyes wide shut. Left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Of it mm-hmm. all, it mm-hmm. makes it feel like a, a some kind of FBI psyop. Like it's it's so. Yeah. It's so disconnected. And you, I, I think this is more to... common. Sorry. Go ahead. I no, you know. go ahead. I, I think this is more common throughout human history than we give it credit for. Probably like so. Probably really so. In, really intelligent people buying their own BS and not being able to discern between what – and not being able to discern between it because they're so – they've lied so much to themselves. So I, I have a hard time wondering if it's I, – I know that some of the – some of the evidence is pursuant to that cause for sure. Yeah. Sure. I have a hard time believing that a lot of it isn't meant to gaslight. You, you think those people up there are saying that because they want, they want us all to what, what's your theory there? Like they're, they're trying to gaslight us by what they're saying. So, so let's like taking 1984 for an example. Okay. There were certain lies that were told to certain ends, mm-hmm. like the wars, let's say. Mm-hmm. They were lying about these wars so that they could continue to fuddle off resources from the population and, and make excuses for the current poverty and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But there were certain lies that were told just to keep the population from being able to think. Okay. Where it was, they would, you know, it was blue on Tuesday and it was red on Wednesday. And there was mm-hmm. no purpose to it. It was just to gaslight them into a position where it's like, you'll never know the score. You'll never be standing on solid ground. Okay. Because the only thing that matters is what I say, not what you see with your own eyes. 
Okay. There's a certain element of this to me that's so... You guys are shouting Nazi one second, and Trump's a Nazi, and there's nothing worse than a Nazi, and he's literally Hitler. And then this somebody comes along and says, I think we should gas every single Jew on planet Earth. And they go, well, he's obviously... It's hard to tell. It's, he's our... Listen... You you can't really make a judgment call on that until you've walked a mile in his Palestinian slippers. Yeah. That, to, that, I can't, maybe I'm giving humanity too much credit, but I can't in good conscience go, every person who has, is at one of these secondary institutions is that stupid not to get the irony of holding both of those views simultaneously. I know some of them are that stupid, but I feel like some of them just get off on the bold-faced lying. I think it'd be how interested are they in playing power games? How Machiavellian are they? Right? And and that that kind of goes with that that whole thing you're bringing up, right? Right. Well, that's kind of my point too. It's like if you're if you're terribly Machiavellian, then lying for the sake of lying actually does have a purpose to it. So yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I I think I think. I think it's, you're probably right. It's probably a mixture of both. There's probably some people that have seen, oh, I can say this and it accrues me power. I will do that, right. right? And they'll they'll play the game. And then there's some people that are like, oh, I'm a good person, and that's how they learn to justify everything and learn how to like protect themselves and say everything that's going on in their life is like right. some moral virtue that just kind of props them up. But you think you could pick a an easier lie than the person that wants to to reopen Auschwitz isn't Hitler. You think you could pick an easier lie and the fact that they are picking this lie is just like mm-hmm. okay, well they're just they're just addicted to lying. They they're desperate to lie to people for whatever end they they want to gain from it. Probably a better way to say it and I know I said lying and this is where the confusion comes in here but it's like they're not lying. They're not thinking clearly. And because they're not choosing to think clearly, they're choosing only one more principle. Their thinking is muddled and they're not going to do the, they're not going to practice finding the truth and seeking the truth in their moral clarity. Right, right. And so by that extent, they lie. But uh, Right. Well, I think, I think that is some. Uh, basically yeah. what I'm saying is I think some people are lying and they know they're lying and they enjoy lying. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I would. Yeah, if I had to put percentages on it, ten percent are doing what you said, ninety yeah. percent are doing what I'm saying. Well, the the most intelligent ten percent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No doubt. Um, yep. Anyhow, good riddance. To good riddance, a, you pen. A, a, yeah, seriously, what a what a joke of a human being. Um, yeah. That person now have plenty of time on their hands to restructure the way that they think about. I hope everything in their entire life. Uh, yeah. This is such a morally clear issue. The, uh, as much as you you live on Twitter or X, there is no lack of moral clarity in December or September seventh, October, October, whatever. I the, <laughs> listen. My wife is. Wait, is it November? My wife I'm is eleven. 100%. No, it's December. My wife is eleven no, months no, pregnant, no. and I can't. The calendar is meaningless to me now. <laughs> I think we just got that wrong like eight ways. I think it was November 7th. It is November. A, it was November 7th that uh, that yeah, you're talking it was, about. It was November. I said September because I got I said tied. October. You said October, I, which is just wrong. It's yeah. November. Yeah, um, yeah. We did a bad job. Regardless, uh, the, the, there's no moral ambiguity in that entire issue. Yes. Yep. And the, the fact that – 
we have made it so morally ambiguous says everything about us and nothing about the actual underlying cause. Yeah, uh, it just it just proves to you that humans can absolutely make the mistakes they made in the uh, 20th century any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. just give us and, the opportunity that we will. Which mm-hmm. you really gotta you've really gotta question what is it what is it intrinsically about us that is drawn not just to sin in general but specifically you know genocide that if you haven't thought about that question it's not the topic of our show today let me just say that you should you should there's something about human beings and genocide and uh there's something that and it's gotten to the point now where you know it lives inside of us because we spent a hundred years talking about how genocide is the worst thing anyone could ever do and now those same folks openly call for it so you should think about what that is and know that you're not immune to it um Mm. it'd be worth your time so give me a horse anyway let's talk about a horse (laughs) yeah yeah good transition me this is we are we are about to break every listener's neck with the change in tonal quality of the show they know Um, what they're getting all right funny horse names here we go a little horse from South Africa named Hoof-Hearted. That's horrible. H-O-O-F space H-E-A-R-T-E-D Hoof-Hearted. Wow. Hunter, please say it quickly. Hoof-Hearted. Hoof-Hearted. <laughs> yep. And I don't know if Hunter gets it, but now every listener at home gets it. Who farted? I've got it. <laughs> it's it's very easy it's so to get. Dumb. But you know what I love about it? I love the the impishness of making that a racehorse so that you've got some stuffy South African slash British transplant announcers that have to say who farted <laughs> on TV. Gosh, Smart. that's funny. Good guys. That's good. And not a gross one, you know? Not, yeah. not one of the... Just a really classic and the fact that you tied the horse theme back in yeah uh full marks for me yeah no doubt good dad joke yeah i don't know what any dressage terms really all right and Mm. that brings us to everyone's favorite segment dun 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 hunters of virgin wow i didn't expect that we changed led zeppelin led zeppelin who loved lord of the rings by the way oh wow uh, Gladriel's file Pat. has Starlight from Arendelle Star in it. All right. That's it. One question. No. That's As not how this my works. Right? <laughs> okay. Galadriel's Star. No. Arendelle Star. There. What is it? Yeah. No, you have to tell me. I don't have to tell you anything. I'll just Google it, you dumb okay, dumb. As soon as I figure out how to spell Arendelle. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that. And you're already pronouncing it you, wrong. So. I don't care. Tell us a little bit about it. Do it Arendelle. for the listener. Do it for yeah. the listener. This bit yeah, where yeah. you're coy is antagonistic to the bit. What would be better is. is if you were just an expert. Listen. What is it? The listener needs to do the hard work. No. <laughs> no <laughs> the- I'm calling I'm gonna- BS. I'm calling BS right now. You don't know what it is. The It is about a gym that I have already told you about. So astute listeners the, have already pieced this together. The star? Yeah. Wait. Wait. The, st- the, the gem has liquid in it that's now in a file? 
That's not how elvish magic works. Uh, never mind. I don't want to know. Hunter's a virgin. Okay. <laughs> now, on to our main it's, story this week. Yeah. It's obvious when I do stuff like that. Like, you know. There's nothing obvious about anything about Lord of the Rings lore, Hunter. There isn't. There no, is... no. I meant it's obvious why I'm a virgin when I do stuff like that. Oh, when no. I give you yes, literally no, that's, nothing. That's obvious. Yeah, I'm, give I'm me literally nothing. I can't... <laughs> I'm going to have to leave that one right on the floor where you put it. <laughs> yep. You're welcome. Hey, Hunter. Let's talk for a minute about OnlineTherapy.com. Now, I know that therapy has been a giant help and played a huge role in the lives of many people that are close to me. And it probably has done the same or could do the same for some people listening right now. Yeah, no doubt. Therapy has been a huge help in my life. Uh, I've really benefited from it. And one of my favorite things about OnlineTherapy.com is that they utilize cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Uh, this is the idea that your thoughts are what cause your feelings and behaviors, not external stimuli like people, situation, and events. Are you getting angry? Well, that really originates in you, and cognitive behavioral therapy helps you deal with it in a positive way. Yeah, and that's why I'm so excited about OnlineTherapy.com partnering with us is because CBT is a thing that we, we talk about on the show all the time. It's something that we actually believe in, that it's the main type of psychological intervention that works. So I'm super excited to be joining up with them. Let me tell you a little bit about how it works. So users that sign up for the system will get paired with a qualified therapist, somebody that has dealt with issues like they're dealing with, and that therapist is going to put together a plan for them. Now, this can involve worksheets, journaling, unlimited messaging with that therapist, and a weekly live session where the therapist and the patient can meet face-to-face, -face, whether it's through video chat or just an audio call, and discuss issues in real time. So there's a lot of different avenues by which you can access the help that you need and the therapist that's assigned to you. That might sound great to you. But does OnlineTherapy.com actually specialize in the mental difficulty that you're struggling with? Well, the answer is more than likely yes. They specialize in anchor management, OCD, panic attacks, weight loss, social anxiety, adoption, intimacy, infertility. If you name it, chances are OnlineTherapy.com has a therapist that specializes in your problem and is ready to speak to you today. And not only that, they also offer couples therapy. So if you and your significant other need to talk to someone about some serious issues in your life, OnlineTherapy.com can help with that as well. That's right. So we're super pumped to be joining forces with them and truly hope that they can help out some of our listeners and help folks get back on track. Go to carlpooling.com therapy to access our special offer we have 20 percent off your first month when you sign up now at onlinetherapy.com through our link so again that's carlpooling.com slash therapy cbt is real it's useful it's powerful it's helped people that i love and it can help you too so if you need help if you're looking for help reach out to them and that'll also help support the show so let's get back to it all right, this week we're going to talk about uh, the biggest thing in streaming comedy since, I don't know, at least like 20... Netflix stand-up specials? 2013. Yeah. Lady Ballers. Lady Ballers. So, let me just start out by saying I'm not really interested in going through the narrative in great detail or giving a whole lot of spoilers away. 
Yeah. I am interested in talking about basically my high-level review and what this, how this slots into the culture and its importance and that kind of thing. So Should we Hunter, give people like the yeah, Hunter's Foot view? Yeah, for the uninitiated, you go ahead. Yeah, so um, the Daily Wire put out, and I almost said finally, but it's a little finally, to be honest with you, put out a uh, comedy, sports comedy, about men dominating women's sports by claiming to be women. Um, it's kind of in the vein of Tropic Thunder and Weatherman and those comedies from that age. And uh, we watched it and we have thoughts and ideas and feelings and, you know, about both the film itself and just everything in general. Um, so, yeah. No, we're not going to be getting into everything in general, Hunter. Yeah, no, not the plot. That's for the first part of the show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so let's talk about it a little bit. Um, I'm going to I'm going to get the negatives out of the way early mm-hmm. because I want to be very honest about how this film stands up and then also I think that's the less important the less important material so I'm going to give my my critiques of the film mm. it was a film that was very clearly made in a matter of months not a matter of years and by months I mean like two yeah incredibly short filming schedule for this son of a gun in fact jeremy boring who stars in it um and produced it talked about how he had this idea as like what if we shot a movie in six weeks while he had this like downtime between going to uh you know kind of rolling off daily wire ceo daily management responsibilities and going to europe to film pendragon and he basically got a script whipped up while he was location scouting for a week came back and they shot the whole thing by the end of like two months so very aggressive timeline here and there's parts of it that show there's parts of it that probably could have been reshot there's parts of it that probably could have been cut or trimmed down but you know they did all this work front loaded and once they had the film they had the film right Right. So there was some there was some pacing issues throughout. Also, and this is I kind of find very endearing, uh, although it is a technical negative. They pitched the parts in this movie to a bunch of these secret conservatives in Hollywood who said, you know, we're ready to be in a Daily Wire film, and you know, I don't want to. You know, I'm excited to do it. This and that, this and that. They pitched the script to a bunch of those people, basically explaining that they were just going to be very straightforwardly knocking trans dudes in women's sports. And none of them took. None of them would bite. They're like, I'd do anything but that. I can't talk about that. Because it's, yeah. it's the bugaboo of the day. And so that being the case... It was acted by all the Daily Wire people, mm-hmm. of which several of them, I think, are decent actors, and many of them aren't. Yeah. So, there was some amateur acting in it, for sure. However, one must stop at this point to say, 
Michael Knowles delivers a performance of a lifetime. He's on the film for a combined 60 seconds, and it's one of the funniest 60 seconds of film maybe I've ever seen. Like, it's if very you, good. If you took how funny Michael Knowles was in those 60 seconds and made if, – if the whole movie was that funny, it really would have been – it really would have been Anchorman. Yeah, maybe even no better. Doubt. I mean, like yeah. he was so good that's actually, and so I, funny. That's actually those... a good pitch. Is instead of doing a coach, is to do the news guy who's having to deal with all this new stuff and like trying to survive. Like literally do Anchorman, but do it. And oh, I said Weatherman earlier, but do do Anchorman, but do it in this with this as the story. That actually is a good idea. If they if they said they were doing a spinoff. Of with Michael Knowles' character from this film, I would watch it in a heartbeat. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, yeah. He is very talented, and he was always paired up with Brett Cooper, um, which Brett had to play kind of kind of Michael's foil in this. Mm-hmm. But I do think it was... I do think she... It gives me a little bit of hope for the um, Pendragon Snow White. and Snow White stuff, because she understood why she was there. She didn't like deliver things off time and that kind of thing like some of the other actors did so i think she was perfectly passable and of course she basically had to be the straight person to michael knowles absolutely uh masticating every bit of the scenery (laughs) so anyhow i i loved their whole their whole gimmick but uh knowles Mm. knowles has talent and it wasn't just the jokes that were written for him which were very good i mean best in the film but the way he delivered them as if he had no idea what he was talking about, like a news, he just really got the character. So anyway, it was great. Huge props to Michael Knowles. Um, yeah, there was from, from a writing perspective, there was a slow ramp up, a really strong middle. And then it got slow at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, it's actually very typical for a comedy that has a message behind it like we have this nostalgic view of these old era comedies that they were just you know a laugh a minute powering through jokes actually go back and and watch or think through the plot of kicking and screaming the last third of kicking and screaming is joke light um and that's kind of the route that these heartwarming comedies go yeah. And then they end with a couple jokes, right? But there's this part in there where stuff gets serious and the film did the same thing and I think it did it in a pretty a pretty um useful way. But th- of course there was some pacing issues, etc. There were some jokes that didn't land. Um but all in all a funnier movie than anything I've seen recently. And to be fair, I'm not I'm not a big movie watcher. So Hunter, what were your? Give us some of your negatives. Uh, basically the same as you. Um, you know, I, I I think this is a movie that you could take ninety minutes out of, um, and it would have been, you know, the South Park episode. Well, yeah, but yeah. I, and I also feel like, um, you know, and this is, and I don't so like, you know, when they they invoked Tropic Thunder and these other comedies. Um, you know, I, I really didn't like Tropic Thunder. Um, I, I thought Tropic Thunder was too vulgar when I watched it back in as a high school kid. 
Um, I was very atypical for the group that enjoyed that movie. And one of the things that I but thought you, when I was... You had to like Tom Cruise and Tropic Thunder. No, see, that that's exactly it. Is like I, enjoy, I, I really just did not enjoy Tropic Thunder. Um, I, I liked Anchorman, but there were parts of it that I thought were too far when I watched I, it. I agree I, that there's parts of both films that were pretty skeezy. I just... Yeah. Tom Cruise wearing the fat arms is just never not going to be funny to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the ball I, th- cap. <laughs> it's totally fine. I get it. I love it. I, I just, I ne- I didn't understand those films when I watched them when I was younger. Th- they don't have a lot of nostalgia for me. And so there's an aspect of me watching this film that was just like, I just already know this isn't for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't like the things they were based off of. They weren't the things that like made me excited when I was younger. Um, I'm not going to find a lot of enjoyment. And I think, and I don't know how I would have wanted this to go, but I honestly think they held their punches a little bit, you know, in this film. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're really going to go and talk about this issue and you want it to be at that level of film, you kind of got to go all in and you've got to make it, you know, really, really like land. And I, I think like, you know, with Knowles, I think you see that come through really well. And I also think he's, you know, a much better actor than most of the other people that were involved in this. But, you know, it's like there's this really weird joke about um, I, I can't remember the term because it's so complicated. It's just kind of bizarre. But it's about uh, two of the characters are their dad had their oh, dads. Yeah, <laughs> two, their twins. They slept with the same woman. Yeah. And she got, she had two eggs. It's, I don't it's a know. Twin, it's twins that are, have With two, two dads different fathers one mom. that are just dating simultaneously. Yes. And so it's, it's very strange. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then they wind up doing it themselves. And you're just kind of going, what, what's the joke? You know, what, what, what's the joke supposed to be here? You know, it's, mm. it's just kind of strange and bizarre. And I, I think they needed to, I, I, I don't know. I think they needed to kind of like, push the envelope a little bit more in some ways if they were actually going to make this work. But then again, there's a part of me that's like, I never enjoyed those comedies that did push the envelope. So I don't necessarily want that to exist, but I can't as a person who's watching this realize, like understand what it's trying to emulate and see that it's just not quite getting there. Yeah. Um, And I I think that's, I, I think that that's the honest take is that this is, first of all, it's the most competent film that Daily Wire has put out to date, in my opinion. That's for sure, yeah. Um, by by a good margin. So if you're mapping trajectory, they're on the right track. Um, mm-hmm. It's also a film that they did with their own internal talent instead of hiring out actors, and it's still the most competent film. That's um, right. It, the one exception might be, what's the one where the girl gets locked in to that house with her creepy boyfriend? Acting oh. was was pretty s- solid in that one. Um, I didn't see that one, but I can't remember. Um, I can't remember what it's called right now. Shut in. But shut in. Shut Thank in. You, Jamie. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the show. Good to see you, Jamie. Um, so anyhow, uh, yeah, shut in might be the exception from an acting perspective, but then the plot was kind of whatever. I didn't care for it. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, they're headed in the right direction. That's for sure. It didn't reach the exultant heights of something like Tropic Thunder, but then to be fair, that had, Robert Downey Jr., Danny McBride, Tom Cruise, Matthew McConaughey. Like, that was the biggest stars in Hollywood yeah. made Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Uh, so, 
obviously it's not going to quite get to that level. There were multiple reasons it didn't get to that level, but um, a super solid effort. Um, so let's talk about, I think that kind of covers our bases on the negatives. So, yeah. you know, we're not just cheerleading this thing because it, it, there's parts of it that don't deserve to be cheerled. Um, but let's talk about the, the positives. Now, Hunter, yeah. I have a question Can to I, ask you. I want to say one thing before you say that. Okay. If, if I was to go down the list of the negatives of just the Hollywood scene at the moment, yeah. it would make the negative list I just gave you seem so pale in comparison. Yeah. And I think that's just necessary to say is like, there, there is something of watching this that is a breath of fresh air, despite my hangups with it. Right, and I think it's, I think it's an important thing to say. Like, yes, this as, to critique this as film, but also to critique it as culture, and as culture, it, it is such, it's such a relief to see that we can make jokes again. If that That's sort of makes sense. That's a great distinction, Hunter. That's a really good yeah. distinction. Uh, like, yeah. for instance, um, Napoleon. We just talked about it last week. Right, huge exactly. budget, huge, yeah. huge stars, yep. huge sets. I would never recommend anybody, any other human being, to watch that movie. Yeah, exactly. I could recommend I, this to just about everyone. Yep. And if you have to choose, am I going to watch Napoleon? Even if you're a history buff or watch Lady Ballers, the choice is easy. Watch Lady Ballers a hundred, exactly. hundred out of a hundred times. Exactly. And and Napoleon is probably the only movie in this half of the year that i've seen a trailer for and been like man i really want to go see that in theaters same and like except for horror movies but you don't do that no you was i like Pooh bear the way he is (laughs) blood on the honey um yeah so yes first i want to talk about let's talk about the positives from a film critique perspective sure yeah and then i want to transition to the the culture perspective because i think that is truly where this film and why this film exists. Yeah. Uh, so, first thing I have to ask. Um, the beaver mascot. <laughs> yeah. For it or against it? So, like, I thought the reason he hated the beaver was a little weird. Like, I, I was like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. To- totally esoteric. Yeah, but, but did, you, did you find it funny? <laughs> what sold me on is when it was in the basement yes, the whole okay, time. Enough like, said, like, enough like, said. That <laughs> cracked me up so good. Yeah. I love that fit. I, yeah. thought, I saw a couple of people being like, what in the world was that? And I was like, no. That was no, no, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so a, suffice yeah. to say, there's a couple parts, and the, there's a bunch of parts in this film that are funny. And there's a couple parts of it was like, okay, that was a great joke. And that yeah. was like some of the playful silliness of Airplane. That's a part where it's like, yeah, that's like the, the stupid crap in Airplane. You know what I'm how saying? You, how you sell that is you never mention it again. And at the end of the movie, it ends <laughs> right. with it him shows dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. He's, just, he's just sitting in there, a skeleton and a rat's eating his foot or something. And you know, Hunter and I went to see, we actually went to see a play on Sunday. And <sighs> it was pretty funny. It was like, it was one of those self-indulgent um, plays where it's like, oh, we're putting on a bad play. And that's the play mm. is about putting on mm-hmm. a bad play. And so there was a little bit of that hokiness to it. On the on the whole, it was quite nice, and but while we were there, we were sitting there punching up the jokes a little bit and that kind of thing, um, 
I feel like that this movie could have had a little fine tuning like that. Of course, yeah. they wrote the script in a week and a half and shot it. So like, God bless you. Know? Yeah. But yeah. But there's a. But that was also their choice. Yeah. You know. So, right. But right. Anyway. But you know, it, I would say it's better than having nothing. I mean, it was they. It was really cool for them to dark drop it on everybody. You know, yes. week out. Uh, yes. I, I'd love more surprises like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was that was a real shining spot for me. They had a couple of these jokes that were just like, "I'm gonna repeat them. I'm gonna show that clip to my friends." You know that those kind of parts in the film, right? Um, right. F- also, from a technical aspect, uh, their some of their technical abilities seem improved on this film. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of their more macro shots shots that have you know 150 200 people in the shot uh played really well from a visual fidelity perspective like in run hide fight there's some effects that you're just like well that looked like crap you know everything in here looked pretty good um there was no like visually jarring stuff so they had some really intriguing set designs um which is kind of amazing on a short time frame yeah Uh, from a visuals perspective uh, and for the most part a sound perspective uh, certainly from a songwriting perspective if you turn the lights off if you turn the sound off and just watch the visuals and weren't interested in the content uh or just listen to the bgm and the visuals you would think that this was a a b-list hollywood movie like yeah it it played perfectly well technically which i think this is the first time they've really found that medium so i don't know if that's better investment or what it is but it looked completely standard um which is good it's good it's better than where they've been in the past i was completely shocked to that i I listened to the soundtrack to me i thought was at certain points i was like i feel like i've heard this song before do i know it you know like i would have a couple of those moments and like the soundtrack was surprisingly good and it was all original you know and it's like yeah i mean like if you're talking about i mean everything in this film is original to the daily wire right and it's good It's, it's like it's surprisingly good and it's like wow if you really don't want to watch you know if you're if you're sick and tired of marvel movies you know and boring comedies that you or what was that uh bros that movie like if you're sick of movies like that like guess what there's an alternative for you and it's not terrible you yeah. know like it is entertaining for two hours yeah you know? it, it, so. abs- it was a little over long but like perfectly entertaining for the two hours as far as i'm yeah. concerned yeah. and uh yeah I, I think i think that's technically my positives good soundtrack um mm-hmm. decent audio mixing yeah. uh great visuals very funny at parts uh not not every joke lands but some of them land perfectly and that's yeah that's pretty good odds there um, were some scenes too where they would like get really overwrought with the political point they were wanting to make mm-hmm. like uh the girl who's in it would kind of do this at a couple of times and like i'd be like oh man that just that just is kind of annoying like i i don't re- that's not an entertainment i would be entertained i would hate that in another movie but the joke they would tell after that would kind of like tie that all up in a certain sense yes and so like there was some of that going on too i could have done a lot less with the preaching all the same because like i think if your script is written well your point is understood and it stands up because it lives in the script instead of like as a sermon and so and and i think that happened from time to time but um 
but they were able to like unlike all those films where it would just hard cut to the next scene like the they were able to barbie and that kind of thing yeah they yeah. were able to like provide a joke that like really kind of like was like oh that's that's kind of like self-referential or that right. kind of justified in the whole screed you know i'm i'm back in okay yeah. anyway i think there was something to that too i'm gonna try and i haven't fully formulated my thoughts on this yet though i'm gonna try mm-hmm. and do it live um much like bill o'reilly but mm. We are so conditioned to being preached at from the left. Yeah. When someone goes, are, that's that's racist, you know, on a television show, you just go, okay, they're just, they're saying that America's racist and we just have to kind of ingest that and move on. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you, there's a, how many times in the past five years have you had a movie or TV show openly just call out the patriarchy? Or call mm. out white privilege. Right, right. When you see it back in opposite on the right, it's very jarring. It's partly jarring because there's a pre- an underlying preachiness to it. Mm-hmm. I'll also say it's also jarring because nobody on the right talks like that. Nobody on the right just dumps it in your lap and goes deal with it. We always feel the need to explain our position away. Mm-hmm. And I I will say it was I think it was jarring but useful in the current climate that there was a film that said, Hey, you know what? If there's a million films that can just casually call up the patriarchy and white privilege, then we're going to casually call up wokeness. Yeah. So I really think that it was, I think that we're not conditioned for it, but I actually think it's a good thing. Um, And I don't mean that it's going to make the best movie by the same token. No movie that talks about the patriarchy like it's a given is going to be the best movie, right? The best movies are things that are timeless. However, I, and this is kind of a transition to the cultural part of the conversation. I think in a culture that's gone so far in one direction and in a media infrastructure that's gone so far in one direction, it's my supposition that this is part of the the bitterness and the medicine that is required to get back to where we want to go. So that's my two cents on the preachiness. Yeah. Um, it's not entertaining, but it is balanced. If nothing else, it might show the next scriptwriter who takes on one of these movies how not to do it, you know. And like, if you're going to do it the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to make mistakes there. You're not going to get the tone right, and especially if you only give yourself six weeks, right? Yeah. So, but um, but that being said, Lady Ballers is no one's magnum opus. Ladies Ball right. Lady Ballers is a, a finger in the eye of Hollywood, a finger in the eye of the woke schools, and a finger in the yeah. eye of all of these films that casually denigrate the right. And so, in that in that way, it's great. Yeah. Like and that that's the thing, is it's like it, 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 guess what? You can say this. You know, and right. that that's one of right. the great things right. about right. it is like there's we we can all say this is ridiculous. And yes, are we dressing it up and making it more ridiculous than it is? Of course we are. That's what's funny about it. Like we're lampooning the idea, right? Yeah. And so um, just like in Anchorman, you know, the 
this strange idea that the the weatherman is telling you the whole truth or the news anchor is like, you know, this beacon of truth and justice and isn't in it for, you know, is obviously in it for like his, his own glory to some extent, but it's good. It's, it's useful. It's, it's fun. Um, but I, I, I think, I think what just giving this a place to be and a place to speak and a place to like, uh, exist is something that's so great because Mm -hmm. I could totally see, you know, me watching this with my kid when they're a little bit older for you know, sure or something like that for you sure. know and i wouldn't and i don't have to feel like necessarily embarrassed about it or anything like that um is it going to be the funniest thing no but it may kill an afternoon you know and that's kind of my point so right and and you don't have to sacrifice it in fact i kind of thought they were going to go harder as well you said they were kind of holding back in retrospect i'm kind of glad that they didn't I'm kind of glad okay. that with all of the positive morals that they did pack into the film, that ah. they did not overload it with vulgarity. Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 in retrospect, I was like, yeah, does it feel kind of like, you know, a comedy for that could be enjoyed by a younger audience? Yes, but I kind of, I've made my peace with that really because I was thinking about all the positive things in the film, and, and that's mm. one place I want to jump into. There's, there's absolutely one place where this movie gets a full 11 out of 10 mm-hmm. and that is the issues that it's willing to tackle you yeah. will not find another film in hollywood that says on purpose that divorce destroys the lives of children yeah a- and the way that they handled that in this film was fantastic in my opinion now from a narrative perspective yeah but from a mess <laughs> from a messaging perspective, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, um, the way that they actually treated the trans character in this film, the one trans character, very well done, and not just because Daddy showed up, but very well done. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't mean spirited in that moment either, you know. Um, there was a mean spiritedness to these grifters who are beating the crap out of women, but as yeah. far as the actual issue itself, it delineated and it wasn't mean spirited. And that was really well done. I thought so, um, the kind of, kind of in re- reference to what you were saying, Hunter, the fact that there is a place where you can say these unsayable <laughs> truths yeah in a package that's entertaining and has wide appeal um by the numbers it was the number one streaming comedy the streaming movie last week um the fact that you've got a avenue for sharing content that provides some positive messaging and some really note perfect messaging on some issues that Hollywood has abandoned, some conservative principles that America hasn't had role models to look up to, saying the true things about these issues in a long, long time. Absolutely immaculate mm-hmm. uh, on that on that front. So, yeah. I, I think I think. It's a film with an agenda, which is never going to be my favorite film, but it's an agenda that two two things. One, I agree with um, because I think that it's true, 
not because it's convenient, and two, an agenda that only need exist in the in the milieu of counter agendas that I think are incredibly damaging. And so <sighs> that's that I really appreciated that they made it and that it exists for those reasons. This is the thing. This is funny. You know, boys and girls sports is funny. It just is. It, it's, it's hysterical that that's a real thing that's happening. It's so funny and so taboo that South Park made it the cornerstone of one of their episodes, right? Right. And that, if it's, what what's good about what the Daily Wire is, did is, I don't want my mother to go watch the South Park episode. I right. do want her to watch Lady Ballers. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and that, and I don't necessarily want, I, you know, I, could it be better? Could it be all these things? Sure. But the thing is, it's like, this is so funny. What if we just watch a movie that makes fun of this thing together and it's not necessarily the best thing in the world or anything like that, but it's like good. And we don't have to go watch another movie that just makes us feel like Hicks for thinking the truth, you right. know, for saying right. what's right. And or like one that wants to take, you know, one that just wants to say there's nothing good or competent about Napoleon, that all he was was essentially just a slave to this crazy woman. And that's everything he was. And like, once again, it's a man looking stupid and while a woman gets the dump on him and turns him to a cuckold and all this stuff. And it's like, we could watch Lady Ballers instead. And you know what? Given those two choices, I'm going to watch Lady Ballers. I'm sorry if that makes you upset or anything like that, but or if it makes you upset a culture or whatever, but it's like... It's better. It's more entertaining. It's more fun to go see. And it's more honest, you know, than some of this stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And so and all you, that to be you said. You don't have to excuse anything. You don't. And, you don't have to be how, like, oh, I know the music is bad here. You know, okay, yeah, there's a little bit of bad acting. But it's, you know, it's getting really good. And yeah, it, it is a seven. But, but yeah, you have to excuse some of the, the accoutrement. But yeah. what I mean is, like, you go and watch Napoleon. Yeah. And in a society that says... That that glorifies sex. Mm -hmm. You have to watch something that you go. Well, I would I rather have not that. have watched that. Yeah, you know what I'm no, saying. That's fair. You, that's fair. You've yeah. got or hear these messages that that aren't true, mm -hmm. and you go, I wish I didn't have to acquiesce to that agenda to be entertained, to be entertained by this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, You're right. It's great to have a film where at the end of it, you can truly say there was nothing about myself that was necessarily gratified, but nothing compromised. Uh, that's not 100% true. There was, I, I think the divorce thing was probably the best part of this film uh, from mm. a messaging perspective. But mm. I think that the, that the getting to the end of a film, especially a comedy... And going, there was not a single compromise I had to make in enjoying this film is truly a feeling that I haven't had in a very, very, very long time. And I agree. That, yeah. that if a company is going to start cranking those out, um, I'm going to keep watching them and keep paying for them. So, yeah, exactly. That's probably the best review I could give it. Yeah, I would say Andrew Clavin said something similar to all this, like the Friday before it came out. Really think you should go listen to that little bit if you care about this stuff or you think it's important. I think he, I think he nailed it on why it matters, and uh, also did so with very little pride, essentially, in you know his involvement with everything, which he has a lot of reason to be involved and wasn't very involved, and yet I still think he sees how important this is and mm -hmm. is like really like 
pushing it. And so, anyway, good, well, I good mean, show he to was listen in to. It. For a minute, yeah, that's and right. And so yeah. was his son, no relation. No relation at all. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. All right, gang. Well, I think I think that's all I got. Hunter, do you have any, any closing thoughts? No, it's a good movie. Go see it if you can. Yeah, go you know? see it and subscribe to The Daily Wire. There's not a more important company for the conservative movement than The Daily Wire right now, period. I have one thing to say. This is this is so sad that Steven Crowder isn't involved with him anymore. I know. Oh, like my this gosh, movie, Hunter. I thought yeah. the same thing. I yeah, thought, like, man, Steven, if you hadn't fallen off the edge of the world, you would have made this... Can you, so good. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if it was Landau and Crowder helming this thing from yeah. a talent perspective? Yeah, they would great. have crushed it. They would have crushed it. But Crowder's yep. Crowder's a douche. Yeah, I, that was that was breaking my heart while I was watching it. I yeah. was like, God, this could have been so good. It has him all over it. You know, it, it would have really been great. Does. And and Crowder. He's done the drag thing before, and it's he's phenomenal at it. I mean, say what you yeah. will about it, but he's great at it. So, yeah. oh man, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Same. It's too thing. bad, man. Too bad. Yeah, that's bad. why it says you know hold hold the brotherhood of Christ in unity above mm. all else, and that's Even because you make with Jews. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right, that's that. So find Go us on carlpooling.com. Uh, we're mm-hmm. at carlpooling on all our social Send us email at carlpooling at gmail.com. You can find us on all the major platforms and uh, all of that good stuff. Go to carlpooling.com slash store right now. Buy yourself a T-shirt. The holidays are coming. Uh, we're about to have our, our annual holiday episode. So get excited for that. And buy your loved one, Your if you're Matt Walsh, your lover, uh, a piece of carpooling gear for the season. You couldn't get any better uh, uh, Christmas gift than a shirt with my face on it for your wife. So just think about that. Uh, anyhow, I think that's all we've got for you. So if you ever buy a ring light and you turn it on looking over your bed and you start off any type of live stream or film effort by saying day one of being a woman you have the lowest testosterone of any human being on planet earth and it's certainly time for you to go to the clinic and get tested